Let's start with some tough love, all right? You two suck. Say my name. That's what the kids call Prissy guy with the mustache. You're listening to Inside the Gillivers, talking all things Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. Brought to you by Stewart Travel Guitars. See the incredible stowaway travel guitar at stewartguitars.com. Also brought to you by Idea Bench, makers of hot rod inspired pedal boards and pedal board accessories at ideabench.com. Microphones for Inside the Gillivers are brought to you by Road Microphones. Now, please welcome your host, Eric Braun. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us for episode 16 of Inside the Gilliverse, where we talk all things Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. My name is Eric Broadbent, and it comes with great pleasure to welcome tonight's guest. You might know him from Fred. Uh, from Fred, you might know him as Fred from the uh, most, world's most dangerous travel wire location. Uh, you might know him from some of these viral sensations, uh, Weird Al and Donald Trump, and all kinds of other good stuff. We've got all kinds of good links down in the, in the description as well, too, for all of his properties. James Austin Johnson, how are you? What's going on inside the Gilliversers? It's how we doing tonight. We're doing good. We're doing good. And you know what? Microphones brought to you by Rode. Thank you, Team Rode. We love you over in Australia. I got to get over. Thank you, Team Rode. <laughs> I was just telling uh, James about some Rode microphones off the off the air. It's something that he should grab for uh, you know some of these remote videos. They're awesome. Really, really cool. Um, but you know what? We're gonna do something kind of funny here right off the hop because. This is uh, this is a question I have later on in the program, but we'll talk about it right now. You and I were talking about your podcast off the air, and the reason why I want to bring up this question is, uh, you know, you have some really cool topics that come on there, and we'll talk about the, how it was brought up on the Anthony Fantano uh, show the other night, uh, talking about uh, what was it like rock stars would becoming uh, sandwich ingredients or something like that. You guys, were yeah, talking about- what what horny old rockers or what sandwich ingredients? That was an episode of what things or what things we did recently. The podcast is called What Things or What Things. I co-host it with um, a comedian, Zach Pugh, who is a good friend of mine. And uh, I do characters on the show. It's this big discussion game. It's it's literally what it sounds like. It's what things are what things. I think we also did recently um, what jackass cast members are what uh, United States. Oh, jeez. Uh, We've even done um, what colors are what numbers. So it gets, we can go macro, we can go micro. It's a very dumb conversation game. I guarantee you, you've played it with your friends before where you've had a version of this of like, you know, I mean, there are literally writers that like Rolling Stone writers that like do this for a living. Like literally Chuck Klosterman has sold books that are like, which kiss members are which of my ex-girlfriends? Oh, geez. Uh, I mean, that's like, uh, so it's it's a thing that feels like it existed before we ever did it. Um, but now we do it as a weekly uh, podcast and you should check it out. Maybe we should do a, um, what um, Vince Gilligan uh, cinematic universe characters are what, I don't know, serials, you know, something like that. I love the idea, and the reason why I brought this up, I was kind of, kind of want to surprise you with this, and I and I tend to forget asking guests this every week. It's something that Tom Schnauz kind of started. And we'll talk. To, we talked about Tom a little bit off the air as well too, and Tom knows the answer to this, and the fans, the fans watching right now, our regulars know the answer to this. But I'm, it's kind of a hip, uh, you know, uh, you know, hypothetical type of a question. I'll ask you: What does it smell like in the Gillivers? So Gillivers has some smells. That's a that's a kind of a game as well. So what do you think it smells what? like? In the Gilliverse. What does it smell like in the Gilliverse? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say 
uh, damp, slightly moldy astroturf. Damp astroturf. Okay. You know when when if you've got a uh, an astroturf and you're wearing like a croc. Yeah. And maybe you're wearing the Crocs and you walk into a hot tub and walk out of a hot tub and walk on that astroturf. It's it's that smell of fake lawn that never dries. That's the best way that I can put the Gillivers okay. uh, scent. Yeah, you're you're reasonably close, but not. I wish I had a buzzer because that would be really cool. I gotta start working on some graphics. We'll get a buzzer in here. The actual correct answer. See, we'll I, get the after effects in here. We'll yes. get the we'll get sound effects. You'll yeah. do that in post. Yeah, we'll send it to the crew. Uh, my crew. I'll send it to my fourteen year old son, my crew, and I'll get him to do it in post. But the actual answer is, I thought uh, my my I ventured a, a question. I think Tom pro- proposed a question to me one time, and uh, and I said it smells like Coca Cola wood. You know, you know Jimmy McGill's desk he wanted so bad. It actually, the right, correct answer is bacon and fear. Bacon and fear. I like that. Mm -hmm. Pork fat is, (laughs) I think pork fat has an anxious and unctuous Unctuous. uh, smell to it. It's unctuous and anxious. It's a a nervousness that also has mouthfeel and body. Um yeah, pork fat is great because I feel like it's um, definitely a fat smell because if left out in room temperature, it can turn rancid. I feel like there are moments in these shows that become rancid um, instead of fragrant. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone likes the smell of bacon at first when it's <laughs> yeah. frying. Sure. And then it hangs in the room. Yeah. Then it has nowhere to go. Yeah, And I think that that is a very... Um, fearful experience when a scent just will not escape the kitchen mm-hmm. yeah no escape what's more fearful than no escape well when, when uh, vince gilligan himself was on the show he he guessed right off the get get go he guessed bacon and i forget he said something else and i'm not sure why everyone maybe we did say to him it's, it's a two-part answer i'm not sure if i did but he said uh bacon and something i was like who who gets bacon on their first try right so that was pretty bacon. cool but I think it was burning not. flesh. Burning <laughs> flesh is right. Yeah, there you I, go. I think they. I think they. I think they. Uh, they they dissolve a guy in acid within like two or three episodes of Breaking Bad. So I think that makes yeah complete sense. Yeah, that was kind of uh, that was kind of d- done to a lot of people. A lot of people for sure. Um, we've got a bunch of people. Oh, yeah. ju- we got a, speaking of a lot of people. We got a bunch of people jumping in. I'll say hi to as many of them as I possibly can. We got Laura Yu, one of our channel members here as well. James Severin, uh, Ursula Singleton is here. Karina is here, one of our members. Uh, Jen- Jennifer Stevens. Uh, let me see here. Marion Art is jumping in. Let me see here. Uh, Michelle Demetis is here. I- Andrea Nowak is here. Arctic Sakai got a full house here tonight. This is great. Um, and let's go on a little further here. Make sure I don't miss anybody. Um, I might have scrolled too fast. Thomas Maynard is here as well, too. So there's a question right off the get-go from our one of our YouTube channel members and our friends here, Karina. She says, and I'm gonna this is gonna tie into a question from Tom Schnauz, as I was telling you off the air. I talked to Tom today and he has a question because he really he said a lot of nice things about you and he enjoyed working with you on the set. Um, Karina's question is, what was your first impression of Tony Dalton and how is it working with him and Jonathan Banks? Tony Dalton was so dashing dashing is the first thing that comes to mind it's incredible that he um was cast as a uh vicious uh terror Mm -hmm. because my first impression of him was like of a disney prince like literally like when i met him he was just like incredibly 
charming, very just dashing. He's like very tall. He, he has like a great presence. He's very friendly. Um, and, um, more personable than a lot of the actors I've met, like very, um, very much like, uh, chatty and fun to be around. Okay. So it, it was, it was honestly like discordant to watch my episode where he murders me <laughs> on AMC and see him being this chilling murder machine. Um, because that's just like, so not what he is he's he's like uh in real life he he was much more um dashing that's the best way i can put it and then um working with jonathan banks was initially uh terrifying he is as terrifying as as you know his character is airman trout and um uh 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 he was terrifying but also this um particular gig in my actor's life this was like um, I think I had read a couple times over the years for Better Call Saul, and um, this was like the second or third time that I'd read for a character on Better Call Saul, and then I booked it. And the casting directors are just like these very perceptive people. They're like therapists. They're <laughs> like FBI interrogators. They don't like put you in before you're ready for something because they can like smell they can smell it on you. Like when you're ready, when you're not, when you're a good fit, when you're not. And so I think they were just kind of like waiting to see how I would develop as an actor. So I think they threw me in at the right time. And then immediately I'm in a scene with Jonathan Banks, which is like, he's pretty far down the list of people that I would personally select. I would, I would select actors that are lowered on the um, uh, acting difficulty scale. Like he's terrifying. And I was like, oh, cool. You're going to put me in the lion's den where I am going to like go toe to toe with the most terrifying person in this whole universe. Great. And he ended up being really, really fun to act with. Like, just like brutally hilarious. Like he was definitely like scary at first. And then um, as I built rapport with him, I think I had to prove myself a little bit in rehearsals. I think I had to like prove my own skill with him and that I could handle his like, cause he's constantly joking and it's like brutal. It's like brutal joking. Uh, like um, you, there's this uh, in the, in the course of a day when you're shooting, first of all, this is a crew that like had shot all of breaking bad. And now they're like three or four seasons into shooting better call Saul. And they've all worked together for a long time at this point. And so I knew like, I did not really, I was like there to be professional, nail my shit and get out of there and not waste anybody's time because they like professionals, like they, they, they're a machine. So it's not like we had a whole lot of time to like do a million things a million ways or anything like that. You didn't like, it wasn't, um, you know, let's not get off in the creative weeds. Um, knowing that, Jonathan Banks has worked on the show for a million years. So he has his own way of conducting himself and keeping things light for himself. So after we were, we, they shot all of his coverage. They got all of his terrifying stuff as he's talking to me and playing this character and dealing with Fred, uh, my character. And then they do the reverse shot. You know, we all break for a couple hours while they like 
set everything up for the rest of the day. And then it's my reverse stuff and it's all my coverage. And then he stops doing his lines. He starts doing made up lines about my mother oh, and like how he's dating my mom and he made out with her last night and all of this stuff. And I'm supposed to be acting in a professional manner, sp- spooky, spooky, scary drama and not wasting everyone else's time. But he's like liter- deliberately trying to make me break. Oh. Um, so I def- I went into it knowing that he would be scary because he's like the heavy. He's mm-hmm. like this like intimidating character, but he was scary in a completely different way. He he made me feel like okay, this guy is so hilarious and deliberately trying to like tank my <laughs> coverage that I had to like it 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 made me up my game. It made me like work even harder to like turn out um something good. And you know, I'm pretty proud of I'm pretty proud of my scene. I have this I have this one little uh, nugget of of um, of uh, narrative in the whole Better Call Soliverse, and uh, I'm pretty proud of how it uh, turned out. It was it was good, and I I think that's actually probably really cool that he was kind of busting your chops. You know, he that, was. you know that's something. It's a big it's a big role for you. You know, it's a it's a short one, but it's a big role and a great great uh, um, piece of t- television. And you know, it kind of seasoned you a little bit. I think probably. Oh yeah, for sure. It was like uh, I I was a cast iron skillet, and uh, Jonathan Banks rubbed me all over with olive oil and threw me in a hot oven, and uh, <laughs> I come out glistening. There you, know you what go. I mean? That's perfect. I, I, so many people have gr- so many great things to say about Jonathan on set. I mean, like he's, he, he, all of oh, us yeah. have this persona of this, you know, this uh, hitman and you know, like a you know cantankerous, you know, blah blah blah. But he's just like the the sweetest guy from what everyone tells me. You, you know, you're always seeing pranks and you know funny stuff from uh, on set and things like that of that nature. And here's a, a second part of that question. This is from Tom himself. From I was talking to Tom today, and I said uh, you're coming on the show, and I wanted to ask a question on his behalf. So he says, did you prefer the scenes where there was a barrier? between you and banks or when you were in the same room um i um found it fun to have the barrier um because my character is like there's something about these like crime dramas where um you can tell when someone's about to die like you can just tell it's like in the casting it's Mm -hmm. like like uh there are certain like like uh, Sean Bean is one of those actors where it's like oh this guy's gonna die, um, and uh, I, I it, it never happened to me yet in my acting career. I have now played a a lawyer in a courtroom show that was a big one that I wanted to cross off. Still haven't played a hacker. Oh, I gotta play a hacker. I could something. see you doing that. Yeah, Hollywood, if you're listening, cast James Austin Johnson as a hacker. He'll do a great job. Um, I really want to be a hacker in something at some point that hasn't happened yet. Um, but I was really pleased to be murdered in a, in a, um, quirky crime drama. I was really glad that that happened. So I think it's fun that I'm behind a barrier. It gives my already vulnerable looking dude, um, more vulnerability. And then when, uh, Tony Dalton smashes through the ceiling, um, you know what I mean? I, I have no armor anymore. There's nowhere for me to go. And uh, so, yeah, it definitely, I think it made with Jonathan Banks as a person being more scary and Tony Dalton being uh, very uh, personable and kind. Um, not that Jonathan Banks wasn't kind or personable. Let me put it 
uh, that way. I'm just saying, you know what I mean? It's I like Jonathan Banks could demolish you. He could really mess you up. Uh, uh, having that barrier kind of made it um, smoother for me. It like made that scene a little kind of like uh, easier to feel in character because <laughs> I know that I was protected from from the people on the other side of the of the screen. So was it like, um, was it slid in and slid out kind of thing? Is that how that? No, went? this was we were on location. This was a place. Okay, a physical. This is a yeah. place, and it was like that, and that's where we were, and. Um, uh, which is really cool for me. I've done a lot of stuff that was like on on sets where they, you know, they build an entire house in a soundstage. Mm-hmm. Um, and locations have that, um, um, uh, I don't know, reality to them that a, a show like this needs um, that that reality to it. Because it's not a theatrical show. Mm-hmm. I've done other stuff. Com- comedy is very theatrical. And... Um, doing things uh comedies that i've done before on sound stages because you're like you're playing more and in this stuff it doesn't really feel like playing so much as like living as the character that makes any sense no it does it does and before i go into the third part of that same question is this is from from another person as well too this is more of a story when i get to the her point um but when you mentioned hacker i could see totally see that the couple like you know i'm kind of stereotyping when i say this but you know maybe something like a mission impossible slash matrix slash and the type of hacker you could be you know like kind of that not only is the hacker skills but you're kind of like an assassin you know how some of those shows we see that you know they can hack into the stuff they're also they got the guns they got all kind of cool stuff i could see with the glasses i think you could do that I love shooting guns. I would love for somebody to give me a gun and something. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, that'd be great. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a character lead and I'm one of those people that's like almost good looking enough to make out with somebody on camera, but not quite yeah. more like the cuckold kind of thing. Okay. So, um, if anyone gives me a gun in a TV show, I'm going to have to write my own thing where I get to, to, to do the assassin stuff. I think that would be great. Um, that said, I hate heights and things like roller coasters, helicopters, planes. I don't like that stuff. Uh, so, um, you know, they're, they're, you'd have to have a stunt person involved. I, I had my first stunt person double me in something on a comedy central show called Robbie recently. My character had to, um, dive off of a uh the third story of a mansion into a pool and uh they got this like guy who's like a red bull champion red bull sponsored champion diver to do it and i was like oh yeah thank god i'm not gonna, <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna do that action scene stuff yeah um, it could be dangerous for sure and and you never know what could happen you know who you remind me of an actor i greatly admire he's actually a friend is uh, you remind me of a young lou temple you ever lou remind- temple yes remind me of lou temple you do you remind me of a young lou temple you could pull him off you got to work on some you got to work on some of his southern drawl uh impersonations i bet you could pull it off in a heartbeat well, I am a Southerner. I'm from Tennessee. There you go. Uh, half my family is from Alabama, and the other half is from Texas. So, 
Yeah, I hear you know, the ac- I hear. I don't want to say the accent, but I mean, well, you hear my accent from Canada. I'm always, hey, you know, uh, that's great. A, eh? we say a eh, at the drop of a hat. A, hey. yeah, exactly. I let's say, get some. Let's get some uh, plum sauce from KFC. A, eh? eh? that's right. That's right. Yeah, but yeah exactly. You, I think you could pull it off. You sound just like it. But I love the idea on the hacker. So we're gonna go back one more part of the same story working at uh, the Travel Wire. There, one of our friends here on uh, from Facebook, one of our friends here at the Gilliverse here, Teresa Martinez. It was her birthday Sunday. Maybe we could even get a happy birthday wish to. Teresa from from yourself. Happy birthday, Teresa. God it, bless you. A thousand uh, fortunes. There you go. That was on Sunday, but she said uh, she was actually an extra in that scene. And so I'm going to read wow. you a, little, a little bit of a story here because she lives in a, an ABQ, I guess. She says, um, my scene got cut. I actually went inside and cashed a check with Fred. He asked for my ID. I handed it to him and he handed me back a form to sign. He counted my money, handed my ID back. I put that all into a prop purse. Uh, then walked out as Mike was walking in. Cameras were set high in the corners of the ceiling. Uh, she had a feeling it would be a montage of people coming in and out, but apparently they did cut the scene. But that's pretty cool that she had that experience to do that. Congratulations, Teresa. Yes, I think I remember interacting with you on that day. Uh, and might I say, as an actor, my resume of things I have been cut out of, so much more impressive than my resume of things that I've actually made the cut of. So uh, hold those cuts tightly. You will remember them always. You were there. And just because you're not in the print doesn't mean you weren't there. That's all I can say. Uh, I've been cut from some really wonderful stuff and uh, it'll always be close to my heart. Well, we have, we have a link in the description to your IMDB. So maybe uh, hypothetically speaking, so your IMDB might be, might be like this and your IMDB cut might be like this, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> Twice the length. Guaranteed. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Here's a couple comments and some questions as well too. This is from Lori. So, and obviously we are going to talk about this tonight. She says, uh, James, do you make yourself laugh when you're doing impressions and who is your favorite? Uh, who is my, I, I assume she means who is my favorite of the impressions that I do. Mm -hmm. Um, getting pretty tired of Donnie. I'd like him to go away. So I stopped doing it. Although it is fun to like do, and I'm glad for, you know, the renewed, uh, popularity of, uh, anything, any comedy that I do, but, um, probably let's see. My favorite to do is Bob Dylan. I do Bob Dylan a lot on my podcast. Um, I really like, I do a lot of singing impressions and I do a lot of talking impressions. There are only a few that Venn diagram and Bob Dylan is one of those ones. I I do. um, I mostly stick to the era of Bob Dylan. That is um, the Sirius XM theme time radio radio show, Bob Dylan from like the last you know, 15 years or so. Okay. Um, that is my favorite Bob Dylan to do. And, um, yeah, it's, um, it's just very fun because, uh, you get to be a jerk. He's, <laughs> he's not, um, he's not like, uh, a very cuddly personality. Um, and then I also like to, as Bob Dylan talk a lot about how Jacob Dylan doesn't want to hang out with me. He doesn't want to go with me to, you know, McDonald's or whatever. Um, and then uh, you can also, um, everybody likes singing as Bob Dylan. That's an impression that anybody does. That's like Christopher Walken or, or Michael McDonald or something. Um, 
so what's more fun than singing as Bob Dylan, especially singing a song that is not, Bob not Dylan. a Bob Dylan song as, uh, as Bob Dylan. Baby, why don't you just meet me in the middle? I'm losing my mind just a little. You know, so um, I think what I just did just now was like Rolling Thunder review Bob Dylan. And I just said that my talking impression of him is like modern times together through life era mm-hmm. or recent. Um, are you a Bob Dylan person? I, I can appreciate him, obviously. I mean, he's been around since the dawn of time. Um, but I'm not, I, I, you know, if, if, if I was to say, like, deep cuts, name some deep cuts, I probably wouldn't be able to do it, you know, on, honestly. Have you heard the, the new record, Rough and Rowdy Ways? No, I have not. It's more good than a very old person in rock and roll's album should be. Okay. Check it out. Okay. I'll, I'll look it up for sure. I drive fast cars and I eat fast foods. I contain multitudes. There, there's so many good couplets in the new, in the new Bob Dylan record. Check it out. Although his voice has deteriorated so much that he's now indistinguishable from Tom Waits. Okay. Um, which is my favorite thing. That's probably to answer her question further. That's the other character that I like doing a lot. I have. I have actually on stage in Los Angeles performed like original Tom Waits songs as Tom Waits. Um, and, um, uh, uh, yeah. So that, that's, that's really fun to me. I, I mean, one of my favorite things to do is just put on autoplay on YouTube and watch every single Tom Waits on David Letterman interview that exists. Cause he's a fascinating person. And one of my comedy icons, Tom Waits. There we go. Well, it's, it's kind of gets the first part of her question. Do you ever make it? I know it's like, I mean, you, when you get into character, you, you stay pretty zoned, you know, and you watch some comedians yeah. doing their things and they will make themselves laugh and which a lot of times can be, you know, contagious to the audience. And I think sometimes people even yeah. do it on purpose. I don't know how comedians work yeah. per, per se, but I think sometimes they might throw that out there and laugh at their own joke. But do you sometimes come up with something so witty if it's improv uh, during an impersonation that does make you laugh? Well, let me tell you something. When comedians make themselves laugh, it's never from something witty. Mm. It's usually from something um, lowest common denominator and incredibly stupid and offensive. Um, I, um, yeah. Uh, So the last time I I really broke character, I think, on... um, my po- I make myself break character all the time because, because especially when um, not not everyone that I'm friends with does like character comedy or mm-hmm. does like voices or impressions or anything. I'm kind of the only person in my um, milieu that really does that, um, and um, I'm probably also one of the only people that I know. Everyone I know are writers. Most stand-ups are specifically writers, and I have been acting since I was like ten years old. Um, so I have a lot more theatrical and on camera acting, uh, just like, that's what my instincts are geared toward. So all that to say, I tend to get lost in a character, even a goofy comedy character, even when I'm doing Donald Trump, people will like ask me, like I'll do, I'll do Donald Trump calling into my own podcast <laughs> for 10, 12 minutes. 
And then after the show, they'll be like, man, that was so funny what you said. And I'll be like, I have no clue what you're talking about. I literally was so deep in it that I can't, I was being another person. I don't have their memories. Um, so uh, there are some times when I am so deep in the thing being so stupid that uh, if I have even a moment of self-awareness, it does it does crack me up. I start to enjoy because it doesn't feel like I'm doing the comedy. It feels like someone else's. Yeah. Uh, there, there have been moments, um, that like really made me laugh really hard. I remember one time I did Trump calling into our, uh, podcast and, uh, the, the bit was that, um, Trump was stoned that, <laughs> that Trump had smoked a dube with Baron. Okay. Oh, and, uh, I was like eating the entire time I was talking. And I think it, I think that's what took me out of the moment. I think it was the eating sort of took me back to earth and just hearing Trump talking about like uh, uh, watching watching Nickelodeon with Baron Trump and like smacking his food just made me start laughing really hard. I probably spit brisket everywhere. Yeah. I, so it happens. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. I had this weird fantasy today, and I, that sounds very scary. I, I better finish the sentence real quick before we let uh, too much air hang on that one. Um, but I had a weird fantasy today of you talk about Trump being stoned, of almost him going on a bender, becoming Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty. Could you, now I, oh, yeah. I'm assuming because you're you're somewhat younger. I'm, well, I mean, it doesn't matter age when it comes to that. I mean, uh, Rick and Morty is uh, spans all all uh, uh, age age yeah. except for the little kids. Uh, they're probably watching right now, anyways. But can you do a Donald Trump meets uh, Rick Sanchez? Hey, Rick, I love the whole thing that you're doing with shooting beeps, and you've got a bunch of clones of everybody, but you've got to stop because everything that you do makes everything really bad and you get in all kinds of big problem with a lot of aliens and you're doing a big aliens and nobody likes it's not good so rick sanchez wipe your mouth because the whole thing with your dripping mouth he's always got the mouth dripping doesn't he he's always doing mouth nobody likes it it's it's really gross and what happened to the old cartoons that we like so much what happened to Powerpuff Girls. Remember we used to have Powerpuff Girls and you'd have sugar, spice, and everything nice. And then you had uh, Mojo, Jojo, who was doing a big monkey and everything. And you had the, the demon guy, the big devil, and he was like a lady or something, but it's also the devil. And we like these shows a lot more. Dexter's Lab. We like these shows a lot more than with Rick and Morty. Because they're doing adult animation, but adults don't want to watch animation, do they? They don't like the animation so much. They... Adults want to watch the crown. They want to watch the crown. They don't have time for the cartoons. So, Dan Armin, if you're watching, you got to stop with Rick and Morty. Do something good like the crown. There you go. That is fantastic. Well, zero, zero preparation for that one. And I know you, I didn't, I didn't uh, prep you on that one. So, good one. That was good. That's an exclusive Donald Trump uh, take here on MGN, brought to you by Rode Microphones and Line <laughs> 6 Helix. That sounds like a, a, a true professional. Fantastic. Here's a question from Mrs. Wexler. She's the one that did a nice caricature drawing of your uh, view today as well, too. I think you might have saw that. Hey, thank you for that. I really like that. Thank you so much. Yeah, she started that last week, I think, as, as, uh, or the week before, doing everyone who's appearing on the show, uh, doing that. So very, very cool. And her question is, um, you tweeted about Game of the Year earlier today, so I'm wondering which game has your vote of Game of the Year and why? It's got to be, 
I'm like, I still want to do Donald Trump the entire time. It's gotta be Animal Crossing New Horizons. Um, from looking at all of the nominees, um, I've got to go with Animal Crossing New Horizons because this is a game. Uh, all the other games on the the nominees list, it's like Ghosts of Tsushima, it, Hades, a couple others, Final Fantasy VII Remake. These are good. These are good games. Lots of people are in my mentions right now on Twitter being like, oh, Ghost of Sushi. Oh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh, I love that. They're all sort of in this big pissing contest to see who can like the manly games that have existed for forever. Here's the problem. All of these games, there have already been great games. Not exactly like these games, but very similar. But you know what I mean? There haven't been a lot of Animal Crossing New Horizons. Yeah. There, there have been other Animal Crossing games, life simulators, where uh, you know you have games like Harvest Moon, you have things like Facebook, you have things that Animal Crossing borrows from, but you've never seen them collected and presented into such a cohesive thing. And then also... I don't think anybody was thinking about this when they were in the development of Animal Crossing New Horizons, which was which took a long time. Um, but uh, COVID happened, and Animal Crossing became a uh, literal island of solace and peace and fun for millions of people who were trapped in their homes. A game that virtual gives you a virtual simulator for social interaction and your life progressing to any degree like so many days in lockdown my wife and i had where the same day bled into the next day and 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 nothing changed but in animal crossing if we had done all of the things that uh tom nook asked us to do then we would have a store and the store would be built for a day and then the store would would appear the next day like everything that happens in an animal crossing game happens tomorrow every everything good that's going to happen is going to happen tomorrow just like life you move forward there's no turning back right so that said final fantasy 7 remake is too backward looking you're just doing as Tim Rogers, my my good friend, my good internet friend, Tim Rogers, who's my favorite gaming critic, as he said, they're just doing Final Fantasy VII, the HBO limited series, which is great. I loved it. I played it. I had a great time. But many aspects of the game suck. Let's be real. Animal Crossing New Horizons is so unique and wholly original and met the moment in such an amazing way. And... Um, there's no game like it. That's all I'm trying to say is mm -hmm. that all the other games, Hades has Diablo. Ghost of Tsushima has, has Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. All of these games have great other versions that they're just permutations of other games. There's nothing like Animal Crossing New Horizons. And also, it just keeps evolving. It, it never stopped. I've put down every game, every great game. I just, I just beat Hollow Knight last night. That was one of the best games I've ever played. But it's not like that game wakes up with hours of new content mm -hmm. uh, every two months and makes me play it for hours and hours and hours and hours over again. So I've got to say, to answer your question, beautiful person who made that great fan art, 
it's Animal Crossing with a bullet, and it's nowhere even close. That might be the game of the decade. Wow. And if if anyone is saying anything differently, uh, they're not your friend, <laughs> and they're a fool, and they'll burn in hell. So you you have some investment there for sure. You're pretty pretty sure on that one. Have you got have you got the new uh, PlayStation Five yet? I haven't gotten a PlayStation Five. Um, I will say that my wife is not a gamer at all, mm-hmm. but um, she got a Switch Lite. Oh yeah, just to play more Animal Crossing. She I started got, playing it on mine. I got one right here. And as we well. got there. We go. Yeah. There we go. Um. My wife's not a gamer, and she's she's here with a two hundred dollar Nintendo, <laughs> so that she can keep playing. That's the other thing that's great about Animal Crossing is like, but all of these games that people are up in my mentions telling me this is this is the best game I've ever seen. Those are these are all hardcore gamers who they've been playing games since forever, yeah. since the eighties, seventy some of them. So like. I'm more impressed by the game that gets people like my wife who never plays games that don't involve a Sudoku chart or a numbers search uh, to play a game. I, that's that's what makes it impressive to me. Uh, a PS5, I am one of those people, I'm about, I constantly live about eight years behind the console cycle. Yeah. I am big on bargains. I wait for things to go on sale um i got a ps4 last year uh so and that those came out in like 2013 or 2014 Mm -hmm. so um the switch is kind of the only thing that i have bought on time um and uh, a ps5 i'm gonna wait i'm gonna wait uh until you know maybe i'll become a famous streamer and get maybe i will be one of these a video game streamer and sony will just drop one on my doorstop like an envelope full of anthrax if i was an important person yeah they'll 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 do it that way and maybe that's how it'll happen we'll see uh if i become some sort of uh gaming twitch celebrity who knows what'll happen that's probably one of the only ways Um, it's guaranteed to get one of those things at the moment for sure at the moment they're just like they're like 500 dollars. i'm just like i'm not that kind of person that yeah you know what I mean? I'm trying to get my wife in a Honda CRV, ah. like a CRV with under 60,000 miles on it. Yeah. Like I, I have other things to spend my money on. I'd rather buy a nicer TV mm-hmm. for my PlayStation 4. Sure. Well, the 4 is a great and, console for sure. There's no doubt about that. We, we, I mean, it's a great console. And it's also, we're at, we're at this point where it's like diminishing returns. I know that we're like, we've expanded processing power way beyond like what anything's ever been. But um with this next gen, it's like I like the Sony exclusive games. Mm-hmm. I will probably get a PlayStation for the Sony exclusive games. However, as far as the Xbox and Microsoft thing goes, why are they making Xboxes still? Just buy a PC, like literally just like make a computer. All of the same software exists for PC. Like, I don't know why the Xbox line exists because it's just like, oh, you just make a gaming PC. A good one, yeah. A good one. Yeah. And then you buy a PS5 for the Sony stuff if you like, you know, Japanese technology, uh, which I do. Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, I, I'm so to finally put an answer to this question so that we can move on. Sir, <laughs> um, I'd love to get a PS5 at some point. Probably going to wait until they're like $300 or less uh, in like 
four years or so. Uh, uh, I'm still there's still PlayStation One games that I'm playing, so oh, I, yeah. I'm in no hurry for this kind of thing. There you uh, go. And I will build a gaming PC at some point soon. That feels more worth my money, so that I can um, play these 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 current gen. Yeah, and that's the thing. You got to be so current. That's the same with my son. Like, I'm not a PC gamer, and I, and I was a big video gamer as a kid and a teenager and a young adult. Um, and I still, you know, on the PS4, I played Grand Theft Auto till my hands would hurt. You know, like I just, oh yeah, I love those kind of games. And those are games that have replay value, and they're always adding stuff. But my son, you know, as a PC gamer as well too, twice now we've been stung with these new releases. Like PlayStation Five is an example. But uh, about a month back, NVIDIA brought this new video card out. And I guess all the gamers yeah. were pissed off because it was blowing away the old cards for a fraction of the price. This 3080 or something like that, 3070. And they sold out in the entire world in five minutes. So today, literally this morning, we went through this whole thing again. AMD's coming out with a new one. They came out with a new one today, the 6800. Uh, I know this is boring for people that aren't uh, gamers, no, no, no. but but anyway, here again too. We tried to get it. This was going to be his Christmas present, and uh, it would have been probably about seven hundred bucks Canadian, and uh, sold out within like like what happens is people are building these bots and stuff, and their their scalpers are buying them like they buy concert tickets. Just totally sucks for people that are trying to get something just one they want for themselves, not ten or five or you know one, right? Yeah, yeah, it does suck. But let's. They- they have to figure out all of this stuff. And uh, a big problem right now is that the ghouls that govern every country are one million years old. None of them understand anything about the Internet or computers. Um, one of the funniest things recently was like I, I seeing a news article that AOC had to teach the House of Representatives what Twitch was. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like we're in the worst possible acceleration of all technology for dudes to still need people like AOC to tell them how to put a DVD in a DVD player. Like, yeah, you're done. Like if you don't know how any of this works, what the hell are you doing running the levers of government? Because like, like there, there are still laws in place about like, television like these guys are just like just now wrapping their minds around television absolutely in in an ideal world where where the people who actually have any influence over these um over people like scalpers and bots and stuff uh it would be great if any of them understood what the hell was happening on the internet none of them do and your son is out a um uh graphics chip Mm -hmm. and i think that that's bullcrap yeah and he knew this time going around because, you know, the first time, once you burn once, you know it's going to be the same thing. And uh, what they were saying on Twitter today before even the release, they're saying it's going to be even worse than the last time. So, I mean, it's mm-hmm. hard to even fathom that it could be like that. But, yeah, it's a drag for sure. But let's go back to some comedy for a second. And I know you're considerably yeah. younger than me. Um, so, as a, as a young kid, you know, my, my first introductory uh, introduction to comedy with people like, you know, Richard Pryor. You know, especially as a young kid, you're hearing all these dirty words and stuff like that. And George Carlin, Eddie Murphy. You know, things like that. Who were some of your influences growing up and how have they changed over the years? Uh, like I said, love Tom Waits. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I started out as a teen Christian stand-up comedian, uh, strictly clean comedy, family-friendly comedy for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a friend of mine uh, burnt me in sixth grade, burnt me a stand-up CD that had 
1970s cocaine style Robin Williams on it, uh, had uh, Eddie Murphy, Chris Rock, lots of people saying lots of words that I'd never heard before and in fact actively avoided. Uh, 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 and uh, it really was an intense experience to have all of that dumped on me at once. Um, uh, and then, you know, things change, people grow up and you, you grow accustomed to things, uh, at this point, uh, vulgarity is not surprising to me. I think, uh, I think it just, I think we had to fully shed, uh, the exoskeleton Mm -hmm. of, uh, the, the, uh, the fifties, uh, from ourselves the last time that there was any pretense of propriety or civility or anything. And, now we now we're all living in literally Final Fantasy VII. This is the dystopian future. It is real. We do live in a cyberpunk uh, collapse, um, and uh, nothing shocking. And uh, words are not scary. I think it's people like uh, George Carlin and uh, Richard Pryor who really uh, made words less scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they gave us the skills to understand rhetoric. You know what I mean? Because um, like I said, the people who, who govern us uh, used to use their education or their rhetorical skill as this like dividing line between the classes and stuff. And stand-ups are these people who sort of tore down a lot of those barriers. Um, that said, it did lead to the funniest uh, stand-up comedian of all time becoming president in America, Donald Trump, who is the most hilarious president we've ever had, intentionally and unintentionally. Um <laughs> And uh, he has just talk about demolishing rhetoric. I mean, that guy, the way he speaks is I've never heard anyone speak like that. Wonderful. Just the shot and chaser of Barack Obama to Donald Trump. I mean, Barack Obama is a fine whiskey and Donald Trump is a entire six pack chugged all at once uh, through a funnel that's attached to your hat. Um <laughs> Uh, it's been really interesting to watch how all this stuff evolves and, and, you know, how you take it in. My favorite comedians will always be, um, Steve Martin, Martin Short. Yes. Um, people who are maybe clean, but that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. They're they're I, I, I grew up with both sides. I grew up with like comedians who were fairly clean, but it didn't matter because they were hilarious. And then on the sort of Christian media side of things that I come from lots of comedians who were clean. And that is it. That is the whole point is that it's family friendly and safe in general. I despise that, mm-hmm. um, that stripe of entertainment because to me it rings cynical mm-hmm. and pandering and condescending. And uh, it's bereft of any uh, intellectual or emotional heft. Um, Steve Martin is, is, is the king to me. That's the goat, uh, just because he's, um, he's like, uh, putting on a show and also making fun of the idea of putting on a show at the same time. Um, but it never, uh, becomes so meta that it's unwatchable. Like uh, a lot of the comedy that exists now. Um, the person who makes me laugh the hardest though, is probably Andy Kindler. Do you know Andy Kindler? I don't know why I don't, but I don't know. What, what Andy Kindler is like, um, uh, you know, the band can Andy Kindler is the can of comedy. Okay. He's like one of these people that like musicians really like a lot. Comedians really like Andy Kindler. 
but maybe he's not like a household name to everybody. Okay. That is the person who makes me laugh harder than anybody. Uh, he's, um, one of those people who, um, is just like always bombing, but is incredible. It's, it's like watching Miles Davis or something like that. Andy Kindler. Hopefully that there, there are some clips online that will like do this man justice. Um, Todd glass is another person who makes me laugh so hard that I can't handle myself. Um, and these people just need to be experienced live, uh, buy a ticket to Los Angeles and, and go see them, um, whenever, uh, COVID ends, which at this point in America, uh, is 2025, 26. Yeah. Yeah. It's not looking good. Here's a, um, I'm jealous of y'all in Canada. Y'all, uh, y'all keep your case. case no, counsel. no, don't, don't, don't speak too soon. We were doing really, really good. And then, you know, people, they, they, just, they get the cabin fever. They want to get out and go party and do all this kind of crazy stuff. And, and at some of our areas here where we talked about where, as you, where you came through when you're visiting Canada before, they're going up there substantially, even in our small community where we live in right now, the numbers are much higher than uh, I would like to see. But you just have to be smart, right? And the smarter we all are, the, yeah. the quicker we'll, we'll all be able to do the things that we love to enjoy, including working, right? For you guys as actors. Yeah. You know, we need to need to be safe out there. And speaking hey, of good... no matter what, you're doing way better. Yeah, we're doing good. We're doing good. The States. Yeah. <laughs> way better yeah it's like it's like you know we're kind of joking when um you know the president's talking about you know putting the walls up but even at the uh the border is like we, we don't want to come across there's no need we're not we're not we're not rushing to go over there i mean i love the united exactly. states i love going there to visit i go to anaheim every year but i'm not uh in, in the days of covid i'm not looking forward to going over there one bit whatsoever and i won't go <laughs> no. you know but here's a good here's one more question no. from one of our uh channel members jennifer stevens she's and we, we just had a nice talk about comedy and comedy writers She's asking if you're a fan of uh, Mr. Show. Uh, yes, I love Mr. Show. Um, you know, you got the Bob connection there. Mm-hmm, um, love David Cross. Um, I love uh, probably my favorite Mr. Show thing has got to be um, the the farmer, uh, the, the joke about the farmer, the musical with Jack Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's gotta be my favorite mr show thing um you gotta love the show uh those dudes are hilarious i got to go to some tapings of with bob and david which was their netflix revival i actually worked as a crew member at shoot for a couple days uh driving a um driving a passenger van uh which is a little tidbit <laughs> uh but yeah i love mr show i mean mr show is like the foundation of a lot of the subversive uh, comedy of that time. And then I'm, I'm of course, you know, adjacent to those things. I'm also a big kids in the hall. Oh yeah. I love kids in the hall. Um, and I love, uh, uh, the state, which is another, uh, comparable, um, uh, sketch group. But yeah, I, I, I love, uh, Mr. Show. We love Mr. Show. Don't we love Mr. Show? They do such a great job, David Gross. Probably the um, best of all, of all shows yeah. of Mr. Shows, right? Probably, and probably I, a lot of people are saying that Mr. Shows better than than all of them, better than Monty Python, and better than that Mitchell and Webb look. It's <laughs> priceless. Um, Lori says, uh, and this is a good question. She's asking, how difficult is it to do stand up now with all the political correctness, uh, sensitivity in the last few years? 
And I mean, I think I, there's some comedians out there that they'll attack that head on. But I mean, you know, things are changing so quickly. And just when you think you're up to, uh, you know, what you thought was politically correct and we haven't got the memos uh, or we haven't been watching TV or whatever and things are changing again, how, how is, is it difficult? Uh, no. To answer your question, um, the difficult part of comedy is being funny. Um, if you have trouble being funny, you're a bad comedian. If people are so distracted by what you're saying and it's offensive qualities, you're simply not being funny enough. Lots of people are complaining about PC culture and the, the thing, I mean, two things. I don't believe PC culture exists. I believe that propriety and manners have always existed. They're a basic function of our society. So when someone tells you, Hey, my name's not Hillary, it's Chelsea you start calling them Chelsea instead of Hillary. That to me is what almost all of this PC culture discussion is, is like someone corrects you. You just move on immediately instead of being shitty about it. Yeah. So like, yeah, that's like, that's like a huge portion of it. And then if, um, if something is not funny, the room goes silent. And then if something is funny, the room loses it. Yeah, And there are so many people who are still offensive and on the cutting edge who um, who say stuff that sounds like it might not be politically correct or whatever. But comedy is a place where it's always funny. If someone is not getting laughs and they're being deliberately offensive, they're funny. Mm -hmm. And that's just all it is. A comedian um, can say whatever the hell they want if it's funny. If it's not funny you're starting to sound more like a Trump administration press secretary or something like that. You're conjuring an image that does make people uncomfortable because it actually has gravity and means something about people's lives. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also um, the idea that comedians should like that, that um, human development and society just hits pause while everyone just enjoys the year 2009 for the rest of time. I think is ludicrous. I mean, things change. Mm -hmm. Everything changes. Like you, you just roll with the punches. Even, even Seinfeld in early episodes of Seinfeld, he's like, people are jogging now. People exercise. You know what I mean? Like that's what the new idea was to yeah. him at that time. Yeah. So things are, things are always new and renewing and, and all this stuff. So that's, that's sort of how I view, uh, uh, political correctness. There's always been this march toward, getting things right there was a time when there were no wheelchair ramps into buildings and then ralph nader appeared and asked for wheelchair ramp and now we have wheelchair ramps the same thing is happening in the way that we relate to each other as humans and just build a ramp for the wheelchair guy and shut up that's mm -hmm. like how i view all of this if you can't keep up with that as a comedian you're simply not a good comedian that's right. that's all i can say about it um well, and I've done lots of college shows like like Chris Rock and Jerry Seinfeld specifically have complained about college shows having ridiculous rules about like you can't say this, you can't say that. Um, I've done lots of those shows and you can say those things. Just be confident, say them, be hilarious and no one will care because yeah. they're too busy laughing to write down that you were mean. But if you are cranky from your flight and you haven't had any sleep and you are so jaded by the job that you have that you're that there's that it's joyless for you. Yeah. You might get hung up on all the rules. Um, maybe you should quit if things are joyless. Yeah. Uh, 
do what makes you happy always that's like the number one rule of mankind oh i agree well (laughs) i know this is a complete 180 but that's one of the reasons why i like south park you know i mean i started watching south park i mean i'm not i'm not a diehard fan either i can't tell you every episode but it's one of those things where i can watch any episode from any time period you know like you talk about seinfeld and jogging so they do this you know then they get up to technology they're talking about facebook one episode it was like they did an entire episode on the the terms of agreement on uh on on apple your apple agreement and it was all (laughs) all about that right but nobody nobody is off off uh limits for for it to be attacked with that show and that's why they get away with it because first of all the confidence that they have like you say you got have confidence your delivery has to be good and uh it's just like you might be like they said what and then you're laughing because you because they said that you know so they, you yeah. know you got to have some balls sometimes to uh to do it and in uh, and, and the chat as well too um and nat romero says uh she doesn't think that you'd be very worried about political correctness so yeah you answered that for sure we've got one minute left before we go just before we do i'd be i'd feel horrible especially you know musician to musician we didn't get a chance to talk about your music stuff so just give us a little bit of a kind of a cliff notes theater on what you do musically and i know you're a big strat fan yeah, I just got um, a beautiful uh, 2012 uh, white strat with a mint uh, pick guard. Um, uh, I love it. I I had an Ibanez for a long time, and I have an Alvarez, my mom's starter guitar that she got from a Sears catalog when she was uh, 16. So it's from the 70s. It's this beautiful 50-year-old instrument, um, nice. which is awesome. Um, and it has a great tone and I never change the strings, uh, because they sound better. Nice. And, um, uh, uh, I love that strat that I just got. It's very, you know, the strat is the Swiss army knife of guitars. I agree. You can do whatever you want with it. Um, it also is not one of those guitars that makes you sound. It's actually such a beautiful instrument that it reveals all of the flaws in my technique and uh picks everything up and uh so it is it's actually actively teaching me to be a better uh guitar player um but um the main uh singing impression and like goofing around thing that i've been working on is uh mark bolin of Mm t-rex i want to do more um fake t-rex songs (laughs) on my podcast and stuff and on my youtube and instagram so I've been working on learning a lot more uh, T-Rex style uh, riffs, which are fairly easy to learn because mm-hmm. he's kind of wrote songs like a kindergartner. But um, uh, uh, I love Mark Bolin. Uh, so, I, I mean, I just love listening to T-Rex. It's, 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 they're such a fun band, uh, and it's all face value, all out there on the table. It's not like David Bowie where yeah. you – have to become a scholar in him to like understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I write a lot of like dumb fake songs for, for the internet. And, um, uh, I used to play more in bands and I just, I'm a born comedian and I'm not a good enough musician to be a musician. So I have, I'm pretty pleased with the balance I've struck. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I've written I've written a number of like uh, songs, jingly type songs, nice. like theme songs for people's podcasts and stuff, and educational songs for children and dumb nice. dumb things like that. That's what I like to do, uh, and uh, I love that strat. I I look forward to buying many more uh, pedals and stupid amps for it. Hopefully, I can get out of our old apartment and into a home at some point so that I can really start. Cranky. ripping ass on that thing. yeah yeah 
Yeah, once yeah. you crank them up, man. Well, that's good. It's good to hear. And it's nice to speak to another musician as well, too. And inside this Gilliverse, there is a lot, a lot of musical talent. You know Tom plays, too, right? Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, he plays. Yeah, he he's he, uh, he taught Bob a couple of riffs. Actually, the when Bob uh, you know falls in a music store and he ends up getting that guitar, um, he uh, he taught him how to play a bit of uh, "Smoke on the Water" and a couple other things. But Bob plays. Nice. Yeah, and uh, Peter Dyseth yeah. plays. Michael Mando, obviously a musical, uh, multi multifaceted uh, musician. Uh, we've got uh, uh, um, all just so many people. I mean, there's, there's a lot of talent and, and musical talent for sure. Well, listen, we're going to wrap up here. I want to thank you so very, very much for your time this evening. We were looking forward to this, and uh, we had a great time with you this evening. And uh, anything you can plug that's coming up you'd like to talk about uh, as we wrap up? Hey, it was great uh, to be here. Uh, thank you, Rode Microphones. Uh, and uh, you can please follow me at Shrimp J-A-J, at Shrimp Jadge on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, tune into my podcast every week, What Things Are What Things, where we find out what things are what things. Um, and you can just uh, Google What Things Are What Things to find that. It's available on all the streaming platforms. Um and uh i gotta say that's about it for the moment um yeah it's about that's about all i got at the moment i'm sure i'm gonna be putting up another trump video very soon good um uh i'm also on cameo i do cameos that's that's like the most of what i've been doing trump so far has been you know three minute videos in people's uh friend chat their their group chat you know, where they share all their stupid memes and stuff. Mm -hmm. I've been doing a lot of videos for those. So, Hey, Christmas is coming up. Hanukkah, buy a cameo for your parents and I will roast their cats. Lots of people have me roasting their cats for some reason. <laughs> Believe it or not, I've already got, I do have your cameo link in our description right now as well, too. So we got that. We got your Instagram, IMDb, got your website, all that stuff. So yeah, for sure. That's very cool. Cameo is very Beautiful. popular right now. Yeah. Just as we wrap up, say very thanks. Very popular. I, I, I love it a lot. I've, I, I've seen a lot of good stuff on there. I just want to say a few thanks as well from our, ourselves here as well, too. We want to thank our channel members for sure. We've got a new feature on the channel. People can join here for exclusive perks. Our Patreon members, our channel uh, moderators, YouTube subscribers, our super chatters, people that buy our merch over at Broadstash Boutique. Uh, all that good stuff. I want to thank you so very much. And we're going to continue a doubleheader week inside the Gilliverse. This Friday night, our regular time, 9 p.m. Eastern, we have the lovely and talented writer Heather Marion on the show. So we'll look forward to seeing you here, same time, Friday night. And we'll be back a doubleheader for the next couple weeks. We ran out of Fridays, so we had to start opening up some other shows. And we're really happy we could fit you in. It's been a pleasure. And I love your stuff. And keep doing what you're doing. Hey, thanks, and to you as well, and thanks for watching Inside the Gilliverse. Awesome. Everyone, we'll see you Friday night, and uh, James, don't go away. I'm going to say goodbye to you off the air. Everyone, we'll see you next time right here, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Friday night. Until then, cheers. Thanks again for tuning in to Inside the Gilliverse with Eric Broadbent. Be sure to check back each week for more great discussions and interviews with cast and crew from Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. 